0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Where today on Capitol Hill, we have the first major uh, congressional hearing uh, into the issues of election integrity since the November third election. It's chaired by Senator Ron Johnson, chairman of the Senate Homeland. And Government Affairs Committee, that's the same committee that did the Hunter Biden investigation uh, that we've been talking about so often on the show. Well, today, uh, Senator Johnson is diving in with election witnesses. He's debunking some of the false rumors that are out there and highlighting some of the evidence that has withstood the test of time that he believes needs to be looked at. I think the headline so far. In watching this hearing, listening to this hearing, is that Chairman Johnson, chairman of the Republican from Wisconsin, the chairman of this powerful Senate committee, believes that it's important for federal security experts to take a look at these Dominion voting machines and answer the questions that have been raised. Yesterday, we had a lawyer on from Detroit, I'm sorry, from Michigan, who, uh, because of the Antrim County uh, debacle. I uh, was able to get an expert to look at the machine. There raised some very serious questions. He claims to see, or his experts claim to see, a 68 percent error rate. That's mind-boggling, uh, hard to accept and believe. But uh, there's a written report that says it. The judge felt it was credible enough to release it to the public. So Senator Ron Johnson today is uh, urging Americans to to double down on that, to look at that. And to, you know, get an expert from the federal government can look and say, what went on with this machine? What's going on? Uh, Other people uh, that I've talked with, and we had a story to this effect the other day on Just the News by my great colleague, Susan Katz-Keating, believe that it's time for the president to invoke the 2018 election interference executive order that he issued, you know, uh, post-2016 Russian interference. And... uh, That would empower the Homeland Security Department to take a look at whether these recent hackings that have been announced now at the Homeland Security Department, other federal agencies, HHS, whether as part of that there was any effort to intrude, impact, affect the election systems, election data. All the things that uh, have been raised. Again, it doesn't mean that it's happened. It means that you get an opportunity to uh, resolve the issue once and for all. And then 100 percent of Americans would have an answer, not just 50 percent that are comfortable with Biden's win and the other 50 percent that believe the election was stolen. So a very important uh, development on that front. We'll be monitoring all day the Senate uh, hearings and you can follow the live coverage on Just the News and Because we're talking about elections, everyone's talking about elections, in just a few minutes, Jenna Ellis is joining us. Yep, she's the lawyer you've seen on television, in the courts, testifying before Congress, making the case on behalf of the Trump campaign, on behalf of President Trump, that these irregularities that occurred in Michigan and Wisconsin, um, uh, Georgia, um, uh, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, uh, the ones that have been documented through affidavits, Through court rulings, remember earlier this week, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said it was inappropriate to exempt people from the voter ID law like happened this year. Uh, Just because COVID-19 came on, about a quarter million voters are believed to have taken advantage of the exemption. Uh, All of that uh, has been documented. We're going to talk to Jen Ellis. What's important? How do we go forward now? What What is the Trump campaign going to do? What should reporters like me be working on? What is the impact of Senator Johnson? I'm going to ask her. Will the president um, invoke uh, that executive order? it be interesting to see what she says about that. Uh, so Jenna Ellis is in the house she'll be with us in a few minutes Uh, we're going to go take a quick commercial break remember folks if you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift I just did this the other day I sent steaks from my good friends at Kansas City Steaks to all of my family members and friends I love it Uh, these are my favorite steaks in fact I'm going to send a gift to myself I know that sounds selfish but I really like these steaks if you haven't had a chance you go to KansasCitySteaks.com use the code JUSTNEWS you get a crazy discount double the normal discount 10% off plus, yes, free shipping. That matters when you're sending freeze-dried food across the country. You don't want to pay for that if you don't have to. Uh, What a great deal. Last-minute Christmas Christmas. Present for someone in your family you may have forgotten or hadn't gotten to or better yet. You just want to grill out on Christmas Day. It's been a weird 2020. Why not grill out on Christmas Day? You don't have to have the ham, although you can buy ham there too. But whatever you want, Uh, just remember my good friends at Kansas City Steak. I love them. I buy from them often. And uh, my mom, I sent a Thanksgiving dinner to. She loved it. Uh, When you get a chance. Remember, those are ways you can support them because they support us here at John Solomon Reports and JustTheNews.com. Very excited. All right, we're going to go to that commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about one quick story that my colleague Daniel Payne did and then our exclusive interview with Jenna Ellis, the senior campaign legal advisor for Donald Trump's campaign, going to be joining us in just a few seconds. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And like I said, in a couple seconds, Jenna Ellis is going to be here. We're going to ask her all the questions you've been asking us at Just the News. We're so grateful that you supported our um, election integrity project, the reporting we've done. 30 different reporters have played a role in different things over the last month to try to get to the bottom of these issues. We're a long way there from... Getting there, but I wanna I wanna point out two stories that we had on Just the News in last week. I just want to give them as food for thought. People say, you know, what if I talk to my member of Congress, or if I. Talk to my state legislator. I talk to my governor. If I uh, can, I, is there anything I can do to address some of the concerns that I feel not only about this election, but by where the future of American elections are headed? Because a lot of people have that concern. And again, I still think we have the safest, best elections in the world. Uh, but this election really gave a lot of people peps. It gave it heartburn. Uh, You can understand why with these questions, with election observers being ejected, uh, rules being changed, um, ballots being mailed even though you didn't ask for them to be mailed to you. Uh, we've had some prosecutions of people that could try to commit fraud on a small to mid-scale. So we know what's going on. We know that the state's made that fraud possible with some of the loosey-goosey implementations they did. But uh, there's two things I want to uh, just zero in on. And one of them is an old act. You know, We know here in America that you can only vote when you're a citizen. And uh, that's been encode, encoded in law and for more than a half century or more, and it's endemic in the interpretation of the Constitution. But back in 1993, when Bill Clinton was first president, when Democrats still controlled both chambers of Congress, it's the year before Newt Gingrich had the Republican Revolution that gave the GOP control of the House for the first time in many decades. They passed a law, I think it was part of an omnibus bill, as I remember, uh, in w- which uh, it said that poll workers— Precinct workers, election officials, electors could not ask someone for proof of citizenship before allowing them to vote or to register to vote. And uh, that's a pretty remarkable thing because it basically undercuts the ability to enforce only citizens rule as a premise, as a law, as a requirement of voting. And so... um, Republicans have never gone back and tried to change that. And in 1993, it wasn't as big a deal because there wasn't a lot of states that allowed same-day registration. But now people show up at the polls, they register, and they vote, and there's no opportunity to engage on the citizen check, to engage on the identity check. And I think that uh, when people ask me, is there something I can bring to the attention of my lawmakers, that's something that... Um, We think is interesting And, and we know it's interesting to the American public because we just did a poll with my good friend, Scott Rasmussen. And he said, or his results showed a majority of Americans believe you should be required to show proof of citizenship before you're allowed to vote. A majority believes in the law and yet we've made it harder to enforce that law or to ensure that law is equally distributed across the country because of this prohibition in the 1993 law. This is a good piece that I think uh, my good colleague, Kerry Sheffield, first highlighted. If you're talking to your lawmakers, there's a good point of engagement. Has anyone thought about going back and fixing that 1993 federal law, changing it? I don't want to say fixing it, but changing it. Um, and in the, in the era of same-day registration and widespread absentee ballot distribution, This seems to be an important uh, issue that a lot of lawmakers in today's Congress probably don't even know happened. So here's something for you that your friends at Just the News dug up. The second point I just want to make real quickly, Daniel Payne, my great colleague at uh, Just the News, has an important story. And what he did is he looked at how Democrats and voting activists targeted two states in the 2020 election, Georgia and uh, Texas, two traditionally red Republican-leaning states. And they targeted him with the same uh, strategies, which is to try to undo some of the voter ID and voter uh, integrity checks. And what Daniel illustrates in his great reporting is how Georgia folded its cards, didn't fight these challenges all the way to the Supreme Court or wherever, and instead made settlements that gave concessions to the like of Abrams and and others who uh, were advocating this and and fighting for it. And Texas— uh, did the opposite. They fought to the hilt and they uh, challenged every one of these challenges to the highest court and got their laws affirmed. A tale of two red states. One that chose to fight. One that chose to uh, compromise. bend capitulate. You can pick the right word I don't know what is the right word per se. I guess it depends in your mind how you view it. But Georgia didn't fight like Texas did and, and we now see two different outcomes in that election. right? Joe Biden is the guy with the lead in Georgia, and Donald Trump is the guy with the lead in Texas. And um, what a difference. Uh, The two legal paths, those state officials, both Republican states, uh, what a difference it made. They They took two different approaches, and they ultimately had, I think, two different outcomes. All right, uh, enough with me talking. You really want to get to the real news of this show, and that is the great interview we're about to do with Jenna Ellis, the Senior Campaign Legal Advisor for Donald Trump. She'll be here in just a few seconds right after this commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Just News. That's TNUSA.com slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, someone who has been fighting on the front lines of the election integrity issue since Uh, November 3rd. Jenna Ellis, the Senior Campaign Legal Advisor for the Trump Campaign, is joining us. Jenna, welcome back to the show.
1: Great to talk with you, John, as always. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, It's an honor to have you on. So why don't we bring folks up? There were so many dramatic things that happened just yesterday, right? We had the Dominion report released by the Michigan judge. We had you testifying at the Colorado uh, hearings. And then we have Ron Johnson this morning opening a hearing with a call for uh, voter machines to be um, inspected by federal experts, federal security experts. Uh, What do you think have been the most important things to happen in the last 24, 48 hours?
1: Well, I think the most important thing is that the fight for election integrity is continuing. And with all of the evidence and the questions and investigations that have been brought forward to this point, uh, we're only seeing an expansion of that. And as much as the mainstream media wants to pretend like they have since even before the election, that it was over for President Trump, everybody just pack up and go home. Well, no, we're not doing that. Um, Election integrity matters. And the more that is revealed, uh, the more that we continue to get to the bottom of this, um, I think. think that America is seeing how much corruption and complete lawlessness happened in this election and um, America's demanding answers, which uh, they should be, and they're demanding accountability. And so uh, to see that there are states who are taking very seriously election integrity efforts and now uh, with this Homeland Security investigation, I think that's just another step moving forward to make sure that uh, what happened in the 2020 election, we know that this was stolen from President Trump. We have to make sure to uh, fix that egregious error and that wrong, and make sure that every legal vote is counted, and that this never ever happens again in america's future
0: yeah, no really that's what it's about it's 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 beyond trump v biden at this point it's really about preserving the long term integrity of elections and all the things that we saw, whether it was Uh, observers being thrown out or uh, ballots uh, being counted without voter ID check like we now saw in Wisconsin. How encouraged were you by the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling, the second one, the one that most of the media isn't talking about, where the court ruled that Governor Evers and the Wisconsin Election Commission did not have the lawful authority to tell people you can declare yourself homebound and vote without voter ID just because of the pandemic Does that open a new window for uh, a challenge for the Trump campaign or for Wisconsin lawyers?
1: Well, yeah, I think that that just shows that uh, the fight is continuing. And finally, uh, there are some courts that are uh, being willing to take an honest look and be an impartial uh, judicial branch. And so I think that uh, what that does is that that particular Uh, decision as well as even uh, the results of what came forward in uh, the Texas versus Pennsylvania lawsuit at the Supreme Court, even though the court wrongly, uh, in my opinion and in uh, the opinion of uh, constitutional experts, uh, that case was dismissed when it had original jurisdiction to go to the Supreme Court. There was no reason other than politics to dismiss that. But the important thing that came out of that was the amicus brief that was filed from Pennsylvania legislators that told the Supreme Court on the record in their filing that their laws uh, had not been followed in the administration of the 2020 election. And so between uh, what's going on in Wisconsin, uh, what's going on in Pennsylvania, uh, what's going on even in Georgia now, and then also this Dominion uh, audit a report out of Michigan, um, and then even what Arizona has done in the last uh, 48 hours with calling for uh, more election integrity oversight, uh, this is something that I think the American people can be very encouraged, that uh, we didn't back down, the president didn't back down from any of the uh, just sheer intent from the Democrats and the rhinos and the liberal leftists to just say, we don't want to look into election integrity at all. Well, we're going to, and even though Every branch of government so far has failed the American people. You're right. This isn't about Trump versus Biden. This is about preserving and protecting the U.S. Constitution and free and fair elections. And initially, the election, uh, the executive branch completely failed when they disregarded the laws of their own states in those six states. And even before that, with um, allowing... Some of these uh, election integrity safeguards to be removed in the various states. And then the judicial branch has completely failed other than a couple of these cases, which that's been very encouraging. And I hope that the state legislatures and Congress will not fail the American people. And they will make sure before January 20th, which is the date of ultimate significance when the Electoral College delegates are counted. And when that's when we actually have a president elect, I hope that the state legislatures will seriously do their constitutionally delegated job, which is to make sure that their voters are not disenfranchised and they will send the correct delegates to the
0: Electoral College. That is the key thing. And and, uh, one of the important developments this week were that six, um, and I had you quoted in one of our stories, six... um, uh, state uh, legislatures uh, offered alternate Trump uh, electors in the case that a legal challenge does prevail between now and uh, January 6th. That preserves some very important uh, options in this election debate, correct? That was at a big moment. It doesn't have any meaning right now, but it has a lot of meaning should there be a, an effective court ruling. Uh, were you guys pleased by that to see that happen?
1: Absolutely, and we were very proud of all of the Trump delegates uh, that got out and cast to their vote uh, to make sure to have that slate of electors Uh, saying that they will send the vote to Congress because we've seen throughout the nation's history, and it's amazing, John, how people forget about our nation's history. They forget about other election challenges and that this isn't uh, completely unique, that there has been a a competing slate of delegates. Just back in 1960 with the Kennedy-Nixon election, uh, Hawaii, as a state delegate, was still in controversy. And in fact, it wasn't until the day of that the slate of electors was actually chosen and sent and went to Congress. And so we definitely have enough time. And so, um, of course, the mainstream media is saying, you know, this, was, uh, this didn't matter. These, these delegates aren't certified. Well, they uh, still are the appropriate delegates um, under Trump, and they absolutely can cast their vote uh, when the false certifications uh, ultimately, hopefully, will not matter because they are false.
0: So that that's the moment and <clears throat> January 7th this this at least for the Trump v Biden part of it it will be resolved one way or the other But I assume that those of you who've been in the trenches and the things that you're finding, whether it's the ejection of observers, something we in America have always objected to when it happened in other countries or um, voter ID checks that were ignored or ballots mailed without someone requesting them. Even after January 7th, will will lawyers like yourself and the Amistad Project and others continue to adjudicate these issues said that they're resolved for the 2022 election?
1: Absolutely. I think that we have to. And if uh, we've learned anything about the administration of this election and what President Trump has been saying uh, since February and since the election integrity project with Protect the Vote, Uh, was started by uh, President Trump and the RNC, we've been saying that election integrity matters and to make sure to protect and preserve uh, the franchise for the American people. And so uh, regardless of the outcome of this election, and it is still my hope and the hope of millions of Americans um, who hopefully, uh, regardless of who you voted for, you want election integrity to matter, because even if you like the outcome of cheating this time, Uh, What if it goes against you next time? That's why we always have to make sure that it's fair. So even uh, regardless of the outcome here, we have to make sure that in every single one of the 50 states, the state legislatures are looking very seriously at election integrity, looking at their laws, looking at the administration of their elections, and they will put reasonable constitutionally appropriate safeguards to make sure that the will of the American people is not disenfranchised. And that's going to be something I think that moving forward um, President Trump and the RNC and, of course, uh, every American who cares about our votes should be deeply, deeply invested in. And, um, and you know, John, there have been so many more people um, and beyond just the Trump campaign and the administration that have been very concerned about election integrity. You know, you mentioned the Amistad Project. Um, you, mentioned, you know, people like Congressman Mike Kelly who filed right. lawsuits. I mean, there have been other individuals. Most of these lawsuits haven't been the Trump campaign. They've been other entities, uh, people and organizations who on behalf of America genuinely care about this as they rightly
0: should. Yeah, you were on just a new show the other day, I think it was with David Brody, and you said, you know, we have to put our faith in the legislators. And right at that moment, there was a spark right around the time you said it, where Michigan actually issued subpoenas yesterday for the first time to preserve evidence in detroit uh colorado then had a hearing and uh the pennsylvania uh folks joined uh, and told the court that they wanted to be involved in it um early on it seemed like the state legislatures were a little reluctant to get involved are you feeling a uh, a momentum shift that these state legislators are going to take control and take back the rules of their election that might have been hijacked by the executive branch
1: I really hope so. And I think that there is definitely a momentum from the American people. I mean, you see that uh, all over, not only uh, social media, you know, we've seen um, and we've heard from these state legislators that they're getting thousands and thousands of calls and emails. I mean, my own personal social media and email and everything, I, I get so many people every day who are saying, please stay in the fight. This matters. So I think the American people are saying that, and it ultimately comes down to whether or not these Republican-led legislators will have the will, the fortitude, and the courage to actually do the right thing and stand up for election integrity. I hope that they will. I pray that they will. And uh, And I think that the American people and their constituent base should demand that, because that is their constitutional obligation. Our founders specifically vested the state legislatures with this responsibility uh, to combat corruption and foreign influence and where they're seeing that their own laws were disregarded. They have to do something. So I'm still hopeful, and I think that with all of the evidence that's still continuing to come out, and of course uh, the mayor and I are continuing Uh, This fight on behalf of the president and just on behalf of integrity in general um, and on behalf of the Constitution, the American people are now seeing that they are very upset. They are very passionate about protecting our Constitution and our election system. And I don't think that this is going to go away quietly. I think the momentum is absolutely building.
0: Yeah, there, there's definitely some signs of that in just the, the daily news developments that we've seen. Uh, two last questions, because I know you have to run other things. Uh, one of them is personal, but before I get to that one, I wanted to uh, drill down on a question that has surfaced maybe in the last four or five days since the revelation that there may have been a Russian-inspired or Russian-backed hacking effort that targeted federal agencies over the last few months Um do you think, and is there any interest in the Trump legal team, where you're you're at the center of it, in perhaps asking the Homeland Security uh, Department, since we now know there's suspicions of widespread hacking by a foreign power, to go in and look at the election machines under the 2018 executive order that Trump did? Is there any discussion, any support for asking for Homeland's assistance to look at that issue in light of the new revelations we got?
1: Yeah, and I think that that's part of what uh, the hearing today is certainly going to contemplate. And, um, you know, whether or not uh, the Trump legal team has any uh, you know, specific influence there, um, you know, we can certainly as just American citizens and, and on behalf of um, you know, our own vote, uh, and also just integrity in general. Certainly, uh, you know, that's something that should be contemplated. And this is where the real danger of uh, Democrats and liberals getting in office, because if there is a Biden transition, you can guarantee that this is not going to be followed up on. And uh, this is something that's just going to be brushed under the rug like everything else that uh, mainstream media and uh, the liberals completely ignore. And that's why I think it's very incumbent to do this now. Uh, we still have enough time. We have over a month before June, uh, January 20th to really seriously investigate this. And uh, this matters to our national sovereignty. It matters to the integrity of our country. And it's something that every American should demand of Homeland Security and to make sure we get the answers to these questions.
0: Now, the last question I want to ask you is a little more personal. It's not really about uh, the election strategy, but I have seen on Twitter and I have heard these hideous, horrible things that people have said and threatened against. you. And I wonder if you could talk just for a second. I know you don't consider yourself a victim. You're a fighter. But... Uh, Some of the vitriolic hatred that has been directed towards you, how you've dealt with it, uh, how it's maybe changed your perspective of social media or the American public to have such horrible things threatened and and said about you. Uh, What 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 personally has that done for you or to you?
1: Yeah, and I really appreciate that question, John, because, um, you know, thats it's actually made me feel uh, more like a a member of Team Trump. (laughs) I was talking with Laura Trump today and she said, well, you know, welcome to, you know, what our family has been going through for the last five years. It's disgusting. And it's just, you know, anyone who is affiliated with President Trump in any way and is actually making a difference, uh, then the mainstream media will attack them. They'll lie. Uh, they will push the narrative um, in any way that they want to simply bring down uh, any sort of, uh, of credibility. That's their ultimate goal of President Trump or anyone else around him. And it's disgusting. It's disturbing. And the fact that there are so many people who are willing to, uh, you know, send me messages over social media with threats, with, you know, vile rhetoric, with, yeah. um, you know, all of these kinds of uh, just, uh, frankly, I, I can't even describe the comments. I mean, they're just so mm, they inappropriate.
0: I mean, they're, they're threatening violent crimes against you, personal safety crimes against you.
1: Yes, yes. And the fact that they are saying this, and they're doing this, this is the breakdown of a quest for truth in society. When we have come to the point where if you disagree with, uh, not just politics, but if you actually, I mean, this isn't a civil discourse. It's not a disagreement over policy. This is literally about, protecting our Constitution and our system of government, this shouldn't be a partisan issue. But to see that they're willing to go to this level, I mean, we've had so many lawyers who have declined to represent the campaign or the president because of personal threats against themselves and their families. The doxing phenomenon, right? Absolutely. It's so disgusting that our society has come to that point. I mean, it's terrorism tactics. And it's absolutely um, unquestionably uncalled for, it's wrong. And um, I'm so grateful that President Trump has withstood every attack. And I will always stand up and stand for truth. And what I've learned in my life is that my only audience is God. And my only um, mission in life is to continue to do the right thing in the position that he has given me. And uh, because I have a, a very um amazing opportunity to affect this country and to be a patriot and to stand for our constitution i'm going to do that and i'll withstand every attack i just think that it's so absurd that they have to go and lie about things you know even from a decade ago it's like you guys don't have anything else to do but they want to distract from the narrative. And so all it's taught me is how much truth matters and how much standing up for courage and not giving in to any of these um, intimidation tactics really, really matters. And if I can inspire other people, to withstand these type of ridiculous mainstream media attacks and stand for truth and lean only on God and trust him, then hopefully I can uh, be a leader and can inspire uh, the next generation as President Trump has inspired me.
0: Uh, The politics of personal destruction have been more vitriolic in the last few years than any time in my 30 plus years in Washington and uh, we saw it play out personally in the, the horrific Twitter Twitter, and other threats against you and so we we wish you well we want you to keep you safe and keep fighting for these important issues uh, I know Jenna you have to run but we'll try to get you back on soon there's so many fast moving developments it's really great you you really help us understand where, where the state of play is every day and we, we thank you for that
1: Thank you so much for having me and look forward to talking to you soon John. Thank Sounds you. good
0: Jenna Alright folks we'll be right back in a few minutes to wrap things up All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So glad you joined us. I hope you learned a few things from Jenna Ellis. A lot of news in that interview, I think. I think her advocacy or support for invoking the 2018 executive order is interesting. Uh, Her uh, description of fighting not just for Donald Trump and settling Trump v. Biden, but uh, trying to really get some of these issues resolved before the next elections, which are 2021 in New Jersey and Virginia, 2022 in the rest of the country. Uh, Fascinating uh, look at at, uh, what happened. And then um, something that hasn't been talked about for other people, but the personal toll that Jenna Ellis has paid in the form of death threats and and, uh, uh, um, threats of violence and sexual assault, horrible things that have been wished upon her set of honor in social media, um, uh, dirt digging, mocking. Uh, it it uh, There is such a cost of personal destruction in America just for fighting for the rights of yourself or your uh, client, in this case, Donald Trump, the campaign, the client, uh, that uh, we must not lose sight of just how ugly things have gotten. It's time for us to tighten this up, clean this up. We don't need to be so hateful. We can have disputes. We can have uh, disagreements. We can fight it out in the courts. We can fight it out in the elections. Uh, we can uh, have those sort of debates. But civility and decency shouldn't go out the window just because we're passionate about an issue. That goes to both sides of the debate. Both sides have shown moments of intolerance and, and silliness. We don't need it. We don't need it. We're, we're, we're better than that. And I hope uh, when you heard Jenna Ellis's plight today and how much um, Personally, she's been attacked in in hideous ways, Not, uh, not in a political way or a laughing way, but with threats of violence and violent acts against her. We should pause for a moment and say, listen, we wouldn't want that for AOC. We wouldn't want that for Jenna Ellis. We wouldn't want that for Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump. Come on, folks. Let's tighten this up. We're better than this. We can do better than this. And uh, we can be passionate without being vitriolic. And that's the thought I'll leave you with today. Tomorrow, we'll be back with a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for listening. And while you're sitting by the fire tonight, if you're getting one of those big snowstorms like we are here in Washington, D.C., and you're sitting by the fire looking for something to do, well, Check us out at justthenews.com. We'll keep you up to speed, give you that news fix, that neutral set of facts that you need before you go to bed tonight. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Just News. That's TNUSA.com slash Just News. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second, that's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day.